I have a feeling that too many times we're trying to live life the standard way on our own, but God's way is more automatic, and that is when we do it together, church. That's the environment that God wants us to live in. I think your life will go smoother. You'll have more courage. You'll be more empowered by the Holy Spirit. You'll live your purpose in a greater way, and so we will do everything. We're crazy for reaching people for Christ, right? We will do whatever it takes. <laughs>decided to be here and uh, I really was with Jamie it was six years ago five years ago when we walked this very place right here and look what the Lord has done if you have been a part of this church and you would say that I have started my faith here or I've renewed my faith here or I feel like God has done some great things in my life since I started coming to this church, would you raise your hand and let's just see. Why don't you, why don't you look at the people that have been encouraged. Come on, we need to praise God for what he's doing at Lighthouse Church. Now, my wife and I, we did. We started a church in Florida 20 years ago. We just celebrated that. And uh, it's been quite the journey. In fact, my wife is here with me. She's up here. Could you stand up, Amy? You guys look at my amazing, beautiful wife. Yes. I love you so much. We've been married for 29 years. Look how beautiful she still is. She, she gets better with age. And I'm like you, Jamie, looking at that picture of you, that was, that was terrible. Age is, time is not good to people like you and I, but my wife gets better as the years go on. And uh, in fact, we have four children. And so uh, right here is Dylan. This is our third son. He just got engaged, everyone. And so March 16th, he gets off my payroll, and he's on his own. <laughs> Praise God, a pay raise for me. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, next to him, this is Connor. This is our second son, and that's his wife, Brooke. They got married almost uh, two years ago now. And then over here, and he's our second son. This is our oldest son, Jordan, and that's his wife, Sable. They've been married for a little over four years now. In December 15th, we will have our first grandchild. Yes! <laughs> Oh, I'm going to be so bad with them. I'm going to give them candy and whatever they want. I've already told them. that There are no rules at my house. It's just we're going to have fun. And then uh, next to Sable, that's our youngest child and our only girl, and that is Emily. She's the princess. Everybody goes, aw. Yeah. So we had all of these boys. I only had a brother, did not have a sister. And so I didn't think we were going to have a daughter. I was done with having kids. And my wife, Amy, she wouldn't leave me alone. So you know how that happens. And so here we are with, with a daughter. And uh, really, I'm so, so blessed. I love my family. They all love the Lord. They all love the church. We love each other. They all live near us in Florida. And really, some of my best friends and hang out and have so much great, great time with them. And so, uh, but it really is an honor to be here because I've gotten to know your pastors, uh, Jamie and Ludmila, and I can sense the hand of God on them. And I can sense what the Lord is doing here in this nation of Ireland. And just for context, I want you to understand that I'm very privileged with the church that I lead and some of the organizations that I serve on to see churches across America, literally though around the world. And I, I tell you that uh, not because of you need to know that I'm something special. I just get to be in a seat where I get to see church all over the world. And what is happening here is very rare. Most churches in the world 
uh, especially in a, a place like, like Ireland, is like in America. Most churches are declining rather than growing. But this church is growing and taking new ground. And I don't know about you, but I just happen to believe that the church is the hope for Ireland. Amen. Can we give God some praise? Because that's the hope for the Ireland. Whatever, whatever the problems are, it's Christ is the answer. And this church is taking new ground. And that's because you have great leadership. And I think if you would do your leadership a favor, I think what you honor moves closer to you and what you dishonor moves away from you. And I think you should show some honor to your pastors for the job they're doing. Yeah, give it up to Pastor Jamie and, and Lud. And so uh, I, I look forward to sharing the word with you today. Can, can I just be honest and tell you that I didn't come here today to just preach a word to you. I did not come here today because I wanted to see the building that we walked in and prayed for some five years ago and kind of see like the fruition of that. That's not really why I came here today. And I didn't come in here flippantly and casually. I came here very seriously before the Lord and saying, God, what do your people need to hear? So I think God ordained this moment five years ago. When we walked this building and prayed, we were praying to have some church service here. We prayed that people might come here and find hope and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so with that in mind, I prayed and I said, God, what do your people need to hear? And I didn't just pull some sermon out that, you know, I came here with a word from God for you. He knew that you'd be here today. It's not an accident you're here. It's purposeful today. And isn't it incredible to know the God of the universe, everything he created at all, he's big. Everybody say God's big. No, you, <laughs> I don't know how it works in Ireland, but I think your mouth has to be moving for things to come out. So everyone say God is big. Okay, he is a huge God. But yet he personally knows you. The scripture says he knows the hairs on your head. There's a lot fewer on mine than yours, but he knows how, in other words, he knows you personally, so he's big and he's personal. And today he wants to have a conversation with you. And it just so happens he will use someone whose name is, is Randy, which is hilarious. Okay, someone with that name to come here today and speak to you and encourage you today. So would you do me a favor before we get into this? Would you close your eyes, remove distractions? Would you take a moment and just open your heart? And let's just give God space to, room and to, to move in this place today. Father, I thank you for your people. You brought them here today. Maybe they don't know why they're here. Maybe they're scoping a girl or maybe their parents made them come or some friend made them come. Who, who knows, God? But today, what really is important is that you led them here. And I pray against distractions and the things that are on their mind that maybe would remove them from hearing from you today. I pray all those things would become peripheral. In front and center, God, you may you speak to them. I hope, I hope that I wouldn't get in the way today. I pray there's less of me and there's a whole lot of you here today. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Come on, everyone said? Amen. Amen. I want to uh, talk to you today about um, a message that is really very important to me. In fact, today I want to read a verse to you that is like my life's verse. Like this is the, this is the verse that is... It just defines my life in its entirety. And as I share with you today, I pray that the Holy Spirit, as I said, would grab you and move you forward. And if you would do me a favor, actually, it's more yourself a favor. Would you take some notes today? 
pull out your smart device or a pad, pen, however you may do that, and write some things down. Because what happens is, as you come to church like this, God speaks to you. And he uses people, but God speaks to you today. And if you write these things down and you think about them later and reflect on them, then those things can grow in your life and can ultimately, I believe, God will use them to change your life. In Jesus' name, amen? So my daughter, who you saw just a moment ago, she just turned 18 years old. Now, she in May would have been finishing secondary school. And so, however, about six months prior to that, while she was still finishing high school or secondary school, as you, you call it, she came to me one day and she goes, Dad, I want to start a food truck, like an acai and an avocado toast, like a food truck. And I went, you're 17 years old. And if, if you know a teenager, maybe you're a teenager, you know how you get very excited about something and next month it's something completely different, right? So I just knew that she was excited about this today, but nah, you know, next week we won't be talking about it. Well, a month later, she says, Dad, I still, I really want to do this. And, and since then, I put together a business model. And look here, would you take a look at it? And so I look at it and I go, wow, this is incredible. And it's a month later, she's still talking about it and moving forward with it. And then I go, well, it'll, it'll die in a month, and she won't be talking about it in a month because she's 17 years old. Well, then she turns 18 years old in the middle of all this, and she's still talking about it. She says, Dad, I went to the government and filled out the papers and formed my own business and corporation with the government. And, and Dad, I'm meeting with other entrepreneurs to share with them my idea. And, and Dad, I'm really excited about this. And I'm like, this girl is serious about this spending her babysitting money on, on filing papers with the government for a, a company. And then after she meets with business owners who have an acai food truck and others as well, I get a phone call and someone rings me up and he says, I have this, this food truck, acai food truck, and I, I understand your daughter is looking to start one of these. Well, my parents are sick and I'm going to move away and I was going to sell it to someone, but your daughter might be the perfect person. And so we sit down and meet with him and ultimately come to terms and she buys the business and this was in may when she should have been graduating secondary school she's buying a business and she sells her little hyundai kona little car buys a big truck has this trailer that she pulls around this food truck trailer which she hires people and fires people and she files taxes and employees and, and ordering supplies and she's running all this business and she's 18 years old she's been doing it for four months and the business is just booming and I am so amazed at what this 18 year old girl is doing it's like she's gonna rule the world right and I think why would she do this and it's because she is so internally compelled to do something that it would not die and I want to submit a topic to you today that I believe God has you here on this earth for a reason and for a purpose. And he wants to connect that with you so you can be so compelled to be a great person, exactly who God has called you to be. And we're going to study this verse today in Acts chapter 20. And this verse is my life's verse. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he's talking about his life's mission, this compelling. And he says, and now... I am compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to happen to me there, he says. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit actually warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me. Sounds like a great thing. <laughs> however, everyone say however. Come on, everyone say however. however. I consider my life worth nothing to me. 
My only aim is that I would finish the race, that I would complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, which is the task of testifying the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, as we see this passage, we understand that Paul wants to go to this city called Jerusalem. Now, we would all know what Jerusalem is. The question is, why would Paul want to go back to Jerusalem? Well, Paul originally was sent from Jerusalem out into the area to go find Christians, and he actually would throw them in jail, and he would kill many of them. He was out to terrorize Christians, and that's where Paul was left. He left from Jerusalem to go do that. Of course, while he was on his way, he found the Lord Jesus Christ, and he surrendered his life to the Lordship of Christ. And now, instead of terrorizing Christians, he's actually building the church. So while Paul was a Christ follower, he had three like missionary journeys where he would go to different regions and start churches. And then sometimes in his second journey, he would go back and start more churches and encourage his existing churches. Now, as this is being talked about, Paul here saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is his third and his final missionary journey. And we don't know, really know why Paul wanted to go back there. I don't know. It could be that maybe he wanted to go back to the place that he was sent out from and he was like going to go terrorize Christians to go back to that place, like a redemption for the bad things that he had done, right? Or maybe because Jerusalem was like the spiritual mecca of the world that he thought, well, if I go back there, well, then I can reach those people and therefore I can reach the world. I'm not really sure why. We do know that Paul went back there and was ultimately thrown in prison and most believe that he was martyred for the cause of Christ. We don't really know why he went, but we know what happened there. But... What I can tell you when it comes to Paul fulfilling his purpose in life is the same thing that is important to us, Lighthouse. And I want you to write these things down. Here's what we can learn from Paul in his being able to fulfill the purpose that God has for him. You must partner, write this down, you must partner with the Holy Spirit. There are two important action words that are in our passage today. It says the Holy Spirit compelled him, and that's the first word. You can write that down. And that English word compel comes from two words, com, which means together, and then pel, which means forward or drive. Paul had this thing where I am driven to move forward, but he had something that came alongside him. And it says he was compelled, the word by the Holy Spirit. That word by is a preposition, which means this is the agent that is causing something to happen. Now, what does this mean for you and I? In order for you and I to accomplish all that God has for us, the Holy Spirit is going to have to be the thing that is moving us forward. Look, you cannot do it on your own power. Can I prove it to you? Can I prove it to you? All right. How many of you have ever made a decision that you were going to not do something and then you did it anyway? All right. That, everybody didn't raise their hand. Now, this must be the most incredible church in the entire world. And it's the holiest smartest people in the whole world or there are some people that are here deceived how about we find out how many of you are sitting next to someone and you know they have made some bad decisions before that they shouldn't have made come on raise your hand for them yeah look at the hands everywhere okay you're just deceived all right but we've all done that right we're all like okay i'm gonna change this about my life i'm gonna i'm gonna lose some weight or i'm gonna I'll be nicer or i'm gonna forgive that person or i'm gonna do something different and we it's just uh, i'm gonna do it and then you make a bad decision anyway don't you get frustrated with that and so how in the world can you and i 
be compelled and be led by Holy Spirit and partner with him so that we can do the things that God has for us rather than the things that we have for ourselves. Well, I want to tell you something that is very important, Lighthouse Church. This might be the most important thing that I could tell you all day today, that serving God and being in the kingdom of God and being the person that God has called you to, the difference between being that successful person, whatever it is, my successful in business, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my relationships, in my walk with God, whatever it is, the key to it is not trying harder, surrendering more. I'm telling you, this is the most important thing because we've all gritted our teeth and said, I'm not going to do that, and we did it anyway. But I'm telling you, there is a way that you can actually surrender, which means to make room for God and give space for God. And when you do that, Holy Spirit comes in, and he's the driving thing rather than you doing it on your own. Now, I like to play golf. Does anybody here like to play golf? Raise your hand if you're a golfer. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah. Not many of you, but these are the real Christians. <laughs> the reason why I say that, because golf will make you so angry, right? And you just lose your salvation. You just get so mad, right? I've been playing golf since I was three years old. My dad wanted my brother and I to play professional golf. My brother actually is a pastor as well, and I'm a pastor, so dad's disappointed, you know, that, hey, you wouldn't play golf, you'd follow the Lord. I'm, I'm just teasing. He's not disappointed. But that was his plan for our lives. So I've been playing golf all my life, so I'm, I'm really good. I'm way better than Jamie. <laughs> way better than Jamie. And so uh, he shoots the same score on nine holes that I shoot on 18. That means he's terrible. Anyway, that's okay. That's a different topic. <laughs> Pray for him. I have. It's not helping, honestly. You need lessons. <laughs> Take up football or something. I don't know. Anyway, okay. So some businessman in our church came, and he says, uh, he says, hey, Randy, I don't play golf, but our company sponsored someone to play in a pro-am golf tournament. And this is simply an opportunity where the professional golfers, the people that you, you know, that you would see on TV if you, if you cared about watching golf, the ones that are the best in the world, where the amateurs, people like you and I, can go play with them some of the rounds of golf. And he said, our company sponsored one of these, and I don't play golf. Do you want to go? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like a bucket list. I mean, if you're a golfer to play with those, yes, I'll definitely do it. Well, as the time gets closer, well, I don't want to get out there and look like a fool. So I play and I practice a lot. Now, I'm really good, but I wanted to be great for that day because the, there's going to be the best players in the world, galleries, every TV cameras, the world's going to be watching. So I go and I practice and I show up that day and Lighthouse, can I tell you, I'm ready for the moment. Like I have done everything and I get there and I stand on the first tee and there are people everywhere and the best players in the world and cameras and the world's watching and I put the tee on the ground, and I'm getting ready to hit, and my legs are shaking. I'm so nervous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Randy, it's okay. You're ready for this moment. And all I can think about is I'm getting ready to hit this ball is don't miss it, you know, because <laughs> everyone's going to be laughing so hard. Just don't, don't miss it. And my legs are shaking, and I don't miss it. And I take the club back, and I swing, and I hit the ball, praise God. But I hit it so bad, and it goes so far left, like we'll never see that ball again, you know. <laughs> As much as I prepared for that moment, that moment was too big for me. And I wonder how many of us are in this room, spiritually speaking, relationally speaking, 
financially speaking, whatever it may be. We have tried and tried and prepared ourselves, and we get to those moments and we find ourselves hooking the ball out of bounds in life. And I'm here to tell you that's not God's plan for your life. And rather than trying harder, could I give you another option? Surrendering and saying, God, my marriage, my life, my addiction, my problems. God, I cannot try any harder. But rather what I choose to do, God, is to surrender that to you. And it's in surrendering is where victory comes in Jesus' name. Can you give God some praise for that lighthouse church? And I can tell you it to be true because there was a season in my life where I was a drug addict. And when I say a drug addict, I mean so much so that I overdosed on drug once. And when I was brought to the hospital, there was no life in me. And thank God I had a church like Lighthouse praying for me, and God gave me life again. And you would think that I would surrender my life to Christ after that, but I'm not the smartest guy in the room. It still took me a couple of years after that. But my point is that I had this addiction. Tried. I'm not doing that anymore. I went to rehab, and that didn't help, and I did it again because I tried in and of myself. But there was a moment of January 30th of 1992 where I said, My life, Lord, is not mine. And I bowed my knees, and I surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, and I have been free since January 30th of 1992. Can we praise God for that? Yes. Now, why do I tell you that? Because God obviously has put something in you that you want your life to be better than what it is. And I'm telling you today, quit trying harder. And would you give your lives over to Christ? Some of you are going to have a chance to do that today. And then one day you can get baptized and show the world what the Lord has done. That's where it begins. Partner with the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to write this down. Not only is partnering with the Holy Spirit important, but people are important. People. People are Important because Paul, it's not really in this passage, but we know from studying these scriptures that Paul had a couple of really close friends with him. And these friends went with him and they helped him reach the purpose that God had for him. In fact, two of his friends, you can write their names down, that are very important. One of them's name is Barnabas. And Barnabas, Barnabas was the kind of friend, and we all need this friend in our life. Barnabas was the kind of friend that challenged the Apostle Paul. We need to have those friends in life. Not the ones that tell us what we want to hear, right? But the friends that tell us what we need to hear. Paul got in a disagreement with Barnabas one time. And in fact, they split ways and separated. But then they, they were, Paul was mad at him. But eventually, Barnabas came back into his life. You know what the kind of friend that you need? You can tell if you have a Barnabas in your life. It's the person that tells you the thing that you really don't want to hear but you know you need to hear it because they'll speak truth into your life. And I don't mean truth like to condemn you. I mean truth because they love you. You know how you can tell if you have a Barnabas in your life? Have you ever been out with some friends to eat, maybe at a cafe or lunch or even dinner or something, and then you get back into your car and you look in the, light, in the mirror and you look at yourself and you have food in your teeth? That ever happened to you before? And you're like, I wonder how long that's been there. I wonder why my friends didn't tell me. Guess what? They're not your friends. Because a friend wouldn't let you have food in your teeth, the booger on your nose, you fly down, they would go, hey, you need to fix that. 
So if you have friends that won't speak that to you, then they're not really your friends. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a relationship with him, but that's not the Barnabas. That's not the person that you need. You need people that will say, listen, I think that's a bad idea. I don't think you should be hanging out with that person. I don't think you should be going there. Because if you do, then I'm afraid that something bad is going to happen to you. So quit looking for people that agree with you and have some people around you that will challenge you. In fact, the scripture says this. In 2 Timothy, Paul's speaking about this to a friend of his named Timothy. And he says, the time is going to come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires. In other words, they, they, they want what they want rather than the truth. They will gather around them a great number of people that will say what their itching ears want them to hear. Oh, tell me what I want to hear versus what I need to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside the myths. You need a Barnabas in your life. You need Holy Spirit. You need a Barnabas. And then we also know that Paul had a man named Silas in his life. Paul and Silas. You, you probably know of Silas or have heard of him because there was a moment in time when Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel in Philippi. And Silas was there with him. And the scriptures teach us, you can see it later in the book of Acts, that, that they were in this jail and they were praising God at midnight. Now, I don't know what kind of midnight situation you're in well, like it's the darkest hour and things seem to be so bleak but Silas encouraged Paul and they begin to worship God in their darkest moment and of course the prison doors opened and the chains came off and God brought deliverance to them but it's because Paul had a Silas in his life you have a Silas in your life I mean a person that will encourage you in the things of Lord even when you're ready to give up I can tell you in my own life, there have been moments in the life of our church where honestly I've been ready to give up and say, I guess this is just the end of it. I guess it's not going to make it. And I had friends and they rallied around me and they said, no, we're going to get through this. And as they began to encourage me, as they began to encourage me to worship the Lord and begin to remind me of the good things that the Lord had done, all of a sudden my faith began to rise up. My shoulders went up, my head went up, and I was compelled to move forward. Why? Because I had a Silas in my life. In fact, the scripture says this in Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off the weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, so that we can run with endurance the race that God has for us. Now, this scripture is talking about a long list of people that we would call heroes in our faith, that they're in heaven, they're cheering us on. But this scripture is also very valid for our lives here while we're on this earth. You need people surrounding you. That word surround is the word, Greek word echo. We need people in our lives that will echo what we need to hear and challenge us and encourage us as well. If you don't have those people in your life, that actually could be the greatest obstacle to you not living all that God has for you. Because you don't have the right people around you. So we need to know to partner with Holy Spirit. And not just partner with Holy Spirit, but you have to have the right people around you. And then the last thing is that we need to realize that perspective is everything. Perspective is everything. Would you write this down wherever you're taking notes as well? Not just that perspective is everything, but perspective is also, it needs to be eternal. Do you know that we're only on this earth for so many years, but eternity is forever. And that if we could realize that our lives are just but a mere mist on this earth and we need to live for something eternal. Paul, let me remind you what he says. 
He says back in Acts 20, 24, he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, right? I know there are going to be problems and difficulties there. And then he starts off with this next word. He says, however, that's a marker of time, if you will. I know that this is where I want to go. However, there's something different. Everyone say, however. however. However, he says, I consider my life worth nothing. Actually, he says, my only aim is that I might finish the race, that I might complete the task that the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul basically was saying is that the bottom line of my life, it's not just what happens here, but I want to live my life in such a way that it makes an eternal impact. I don't know if you guys realize this, but most of the things that we do on life, most of the things that are on our bucket list that we want to do in life, like playing a pro-am golf tournament, I can't take that with me to heaven. That stuff is just temporal, and there's nothing wrong with those things. I like to play golf, and I like to have fun. I'm from Louisiana originally. Like, we, we like to pass a good time, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's the eternal perspective is what's most important. And I want to encourage you to make your life's aim about what is eternal. Now, how can you do that, Lighthouse Church? Well, Matthew did an incredible job earlier talking about how when you give here, you're not just helping us have church on Sunday. You're actually making a difference in people's lives all over Dublin and all over Navan and, and Dundalk is going to be starting soon and all over there. And, and not just there, but you're, you're planting other churches all over Ireland, all over this island. And so when you partner with this church, when you serve and you're part of the team, when you give your money, it doesn't given to this church. It's actually given through this church. And guess what? People's lives are getting saved in Germany this weekend, right now. And you know what? That stuff is being written on an account, an internal account for your life. And when you pass this earth and you get to heaven, they're going to be people from Germany. They're going to be people literally from around the world and missions organizations that you're a part of. And they're going to be there to greet you and say, great job. And you're going to go, I never went to Germany. You didn't have to go to Germany by partnering with this and being a part of this amazing church. There are things that are going on your account for eternity. And those are the only things that matter when you get up there, Lighthouse Church. Paul says that my life is worthless. He didn't say worthless, like it's no good. It's just worth less than the kingdom of God. Oh, man, you talk about propel your life forward. When you realize that your life is important, but not just on this earth, but it's for eternal perspective, I think God looks for people like that to promote. Uh, look, Ireland needs revival. And I believe it is going to happen. This nation sent missionaries literally around the world. I believe it's going to happen again. But it takes people and it takes resources. So what if God's eyes are roaming throughout the earth? And he's looking for people who say, okay, God, I don't think my life is worthless. It's just worth less than what you're doing. So I'm going to make my aim about you, God. And he looks and he goes, oh, there's someone I can trust. So he promotes you at work. Not so you can go, oh, I get the new car. I get the new sneakers. Oh, but nothing wrong with those things. But so you ultimately go, oh, God, what can I do for this church in Germany? What can I do for this church in Dundalk? What can I do for these missionaries in Africa or in Ethiopia, in, 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 in the Far East or wherever it is? And as you give and they're part of that, God's like, oh, I can trust them. 
I look, I submit to you that there are people in this room that inside you is a seed of potential for inventions and cures for diseases and things that will change the world globally. And God is looking for someone whose eye is not just on this earth, but eternal, that he can trust this with. And I believe that you are the people that God is looking for. You can be. All you have to do is say, yes, God, I don't want my life. I don't see it as worthless. I just want it to be worth less than what you're doing. And when you aim your life at that, I believe that there's nothing you can't accomplish. I've tried with all my heart to not make my life about building something that Randy would want, but thinking about the Lord. And, and honestly, most of my life, I, I face troubles, but they seem more insignificant compared to what other people are going through. And I just think that since I'm making my business about God's business, I think he's just taking care of me. And why wouldn't he? So that I could focus on his business. I want to finish with this story about a, Matt, a man named Matt Emmons. Matt Emmons was an athlete, American athlete, in the Olympics. And Matt Emmons was a sharpshooter. And Matt, Matt Emmons was pretty much going to win the gold medal for the U.S. in sharpshooting. And on his last target shoot, all he has to do is somewhere hit on the target. He doesn't need a good score. He just needs any score, and he's going to win gold for himself and for his country. So it's his turn. And he lies down on the ground, and he aims his rifle, he lowers his heart rate, calms himself down, takes a few slow breaths, got his line right on the target, and he shoots in bullseye. I mean, he hit the target right in the middle. Only Matt Emmons aimed at the wrong target. And he went from first place to eighth place and did not meddle at all. Not because he didn't hit the bullseye, but his aim was the wrong thing. The Lighthouse Church, I just think there's so many times in life where we're just thinking, if this could just happen in my life, it would be the thing that would make it all worthwhile. And all I'm saying is let's let that thing be Christ in the cause of Christ. And I'll bet you he will put you on platforms that you could never do on your own in Jesus' name. Can we give him some praise for some of that? Yes.